Fualsha, 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 Akhartagil. This is episode 87 of the Rebel Matters podcast and the very first episode of 2021. So wherever you're listening from, I hope you've got the year off to a very good start. And if it's your first time tuning into the podcast, then you're very welcome. I'm your host, Anlo Carlan. The show is produced by Vicky Lingen and it's supported and funded by the listeners of the show through Patreon. So for anybody who wants to get behind our work, you can find the Rebel Matters podcast on patreon.com forward slash Rebel Matters, where you can see the three tiers of support that you can choose from. We're also on Instagram, which is where the Christmas special episode of this show is and can be found. It was recorded on the 23rd of December and there's a long form video of the Christmas special. There were listeners and supporters of the show we're tuning in via Instagram Live and we recorded it and put it out after it was finished. So if you want to listen to that, then you can find it on the Instagram page and you can also find the Rebel Matters podcast on our website, rebelmatters.ie. In 2020, we produced 28 episodes of the Rebel Matters podcast, which traversed quite a challenging year. Started off with our trip to Palestine to open up Akli Palestine and then traversed the first lockdown and went headfirst into the COVID-19 pandemic. And we pretty much kept releasing episodes on a regular basis the whole way through 2020. We're really looking forward to what we have in store for the show in 2021. And I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who has supported the show so far and everyone who tunes in and listens and gets in touch It just makes making the podcast such a joy. So for all of the support and all of the listens that you're giving us out there. More often than that, the format of the podcast here is a chat or an interview with a guest, either in person or what we're doing more frequently now because of the situation with the coronavirus is recording the interviews over the medium of the internet. What I thought I would do this week because of the fact that it's the beginning of the year and it's a time of the year where many people feel under pressure to develop some healthy lifestyle habits and be more physically active after the festivities of the Christmas period was to do a wee episode about health. So for any of the regular listeners to the show you'll probably know that the podcast here is kind of one of the side hustles that I have on the go. The main one being the Ackley Personal Training Facility in Cork City Centre and more recently the Ackley Palestine Training Facility out in the Ida Refugee Camp in the West Bank. So I just thought I would sit down and give you my take on health and fitness and how it relates to the new year and seeing as we're just entering into the third coronavirus lockdown I thought it's as important now as it ever was if not more important for us to be doing something for ourselves and developing the skill set to be able to care for ourselves and look after ourselves and check in with ourselves especially in these times where more people are finding themselves in socially isolated situations probably more so than ever before. Ackley first opened its doors in 2013, so eight years ago this year, and we're closed at the minute because of the current lockdown that we find ourselves in. 
But over the course of the last eight years, we've worked with hundreds of people from all different walks of life. And I've also gained an invaluable experience into the health and fitness world that we've been operating in. And as most of the regular listeners will probably already be aware of, personally, I think that the health and fitness industry is mostly a big load of bollocks. So I'm hoping that we can approach this episode with um, a bit of realism and take stock of exactly what's happening in the health and fitness industry as it views us as consumers and as customers of that industry and how that relates to what we actually need and how it makes us, makes us feel as people. As I was saying, I think this is quite a timely episode, not just because of the fact that we're at the start of the year in January where a lot of people feel under pressure to start you know, like new a new fitness regime or a new diet or whatever, but also because of the fact that we're in the third lockdown of this pandemic and more and more, more of us are finding ourselves alone more often and it's a very challenging time, not just for our physical health, but for our mental health as well. Sure, we'll give it a lash and hopefully we'll have a bit of crack along the way. sitting here in the house trying to figure out where are we going to start for this podcast episode like what point do we start at to talk about our health and our fitness as it relates to the new year after the Christmas festivities and especially considering the fact that we're just entering into the start of our third COVID-19 lockdown and a song came to mind that was introduced to me by my brother Carabra not so long ago that covers some of the topics that we'll probably end up talking about in this podcast episode over the next hour or so. It's called Be Healthy by Dead Prez. I'm from the old school, my household smell like soul food, bruh. Curry falafel, barbecue tofu, no fish, no, no candy bars, no cigarettes, only ganja, fresh squeezed juice from oranges. So if you'd rather skip this podcast episode and get a similar message in song form, just go and find Dead Prez's song Be Healthy on Spotify or YouTube or wherever it is that you listen to your music and stick it on repeat. But if you want to stick around here, then happy days. I really would love this episode to be a wee positive influence on anybody who needs it right now. But there's a bit of a topic that I think is worthwhile mentioning before we get stuck into various things that you can do to look after your physical and mental health. And the reason I want to bring this up is because I think it's a really prominent undercurrent of the health and fitness industry that doesn't really get talked about that often, but personally, based on my professional experience working in that field for the last like decade and a half, 
is something that can have a very negative impact on our mental health. And I suppose I'm not really talking solely from a professional perspective here, but from a personal perspective as well. And it's especially relevant at this time of the year. It also seems to be relevant coming up to the summertime. And it's especially more prominent now because of the vastness and how interconnected we are and how much exposure we have to advertising and social media and marketing and it really is unfortunate and it's a massive sort of conflict when we're talking about health and fitness mental health physical health it really seems that a lot of the advertising and the marketing that we're exposed to especially at this time of year is based on making us feel like a bag of shit so that then we can be sold something that supposedly is promising to be the answer to our feeling like shit like for example have you seen an ad so far this year that says did you eat too much shit over Christmas? Have you been lying on the sofa all day long? Do you wish that you were healthier? Do you want 2021 to be the year where you achieve your dream body? Or adverts that are being sold by people with their tops off and people are like, get this product, this product replaces going to the gym and you can just do this in your house for five minutes a day. Or like I've seen one the other day for this thing, you strap around your stomach and it gives you wee electric shocks to trying like fire up your abdominal muscles and they're making out like that's going to be some form of revolutionary health tool like you all know what i'm talking about there i think because i'm pretty sure we're all exposed to social media and uh, the advertising that goes along with that and those especially those targeted ads and like, like these days when you're talking about something like i'm probably going to get ads for more of those ads for those electrocuting your stomach machines now because my mobile phone is sitting right beside me and is listening to me talking about this probably thinks that that's what I want don't be giving me more of those ads phone little hole calculator anyway it's all very well and good kind of joking about those things but it is quite serious because even when you look into the way that marketing is done it's kind of based on first of all creating a need for the product that's being sold and creating this sort of form of want in the potential customer so the way that this cars are sold on the back of it's not like this car goes really fast it's got six gears and it's good for the environment and really cheap to run and it'll get you up and down and it'll never break down cars are sold on the back of wanting people to buy into a certain lifestyle that supposedly goes with having this car so for example big 4x4s are advertised like the ads for the 4x4s are people are driving through the forest and they're real rugged and sold generally to people who are living in the city because they're making the assumption that people in the city would rather be out in nature and that's probably more a natural sort of instinct wanting to be out in the woods driving around in rugged terrain in a 4 by 4 and that if you buy this uh, Range Rover Discovery for like 70 grand that then you're going to end up achieving that lifestyle and same thing goes with the way that certain products are sold on the back of 
like making you look more sexy or be more attractive to the opposite sex. When it comes to the health and fitness industry, like a lot of the selling is done on the back of, first of all, you feeling like shit and making you feel like you're not enough or that if you work really hard doing buying this product or take this supplement or whatever that you'll achieve some form of like better version of yourself where you won't feel like shit anymore and oftentimes the promises come on like if you do this for six weeks or you do this for 10 weeks or um you do it once a day for five minutes a day but the thing is that the only reason that we're being marketed to this way is because the people who are doing the marketing generally want to sell more of their product and even when you look at it, if you do it for six weeks or ten weeks or whatever, it's not like a long-term prospect. So generally speaking, whoever's doing the selling doesn't really care whether or not you achieve a higher state of long-term health or not because they're just worried about selling you the product up front. Once you buy that product, then that's it then. You're on your own. But the main trouble with this is that to get you to buy to buy the product in the first place, the advertising has to be focused on getting you to feel bad about yourself or getting you to feel like you're not enough or that you need this product to become a better version of yourself, like better version in quotation marks. And at this time of year, it's it seems to be particularly easy for companies to do that because of the fact that we've spent a few weeks, you know, just socializing or eating more food than we used to, being less active than we're used to being. And then the fact that it's the new year and it's the whole thing about setting New Year's resolutions and new year, new me and all that kind of crack. So anyway, I suppose it sounds like I'm after starting this podcast off on quite a negative note, but the reason that I wanted to bring this up first and foremost was to set the ground for the rest of the chat that we're having here on the podcast because all of that trying to get you to buy something because you're not enough is only made to sell you the product with the long-term effect of you having less money and ended up ended up with some shit that you didn't need in the first place but also going through the emotional sort of um journey of feeling like there's something wrong with you which for me underpins the thing that is most broken about the way that we view health and fitness in sort of Western society. It's based on self-loathing first rather than self-love. So I suppose from this point on, I think what would be something uh, really useful is if we put all that stuff aside, all that like six weeks to your best body or ban certain products or creating this kind of sense of panic in each other that we really need to get our shit together or else something really bad is going to happen. Let's just put that to the side for the time being because it doesn't really serve any purpose apart from making us feel more anxious and potentially making making us feel not great about ourselves. And when you think about it, that's not great or useful if we want to move in, uh, you know, like if we want to develop a healthier lifestyle and develop our physical health and our mental health. So having said that, where do we go from here? First of all, I just want to say that 
the stuff that we're talking about here on the podcast. It's a mixture of just my personal opinions and professional experience, but it's not gospel. You can take it or leave it. And you can also have a different difference of opinion than the stuff that I'm talking about here as well. That's fine. And before we go any further, there's something else that I'd like to mention that I'm acutely aware of. We're going through an extremely challenging period in time and history right now. And we're all experiencing it in our own way and somewhat differently than each other. And some of us are going through this time in a vastly more traumatic sort of a way than the people around us. Some of us are doing just fine. But there are people who are going through these periods of social isolation who have got feelings of despair and don't really know where to turn to or who to speak to. There are people out there who are in situations where abuse is happening and they're finding it hard to get away. There are people who have lost their jobs and there's people who have continued to work despite the risks of picking up the virus and who are working with people who've got the virus in the hospitals and stuff like that. There's just an infinite amount of ways to be experiencing this very challenging time. So you see, if you are sitting and you don't know where to turn to or you don't know what to do, please reach out and speak to someone. Speak to someone who you trust, someone who's close to you. And if you don't have anybody close to you, then reach out to Pieta House or the Samaritans or someone who you think will be able to point you in the right direction and give you a bit of shelter during this time. And likewise, it's more important than ever before really for all of us to be looking out for each other, looking out for your friends and your family members and your neighbours and those who might be at a higher risk of social exclusion who live around your way or who you work with. I guess generally what I'm saying is keep an eye out for each other whenever you can. Anyway, we're just about to discuss picking a starting point when it comes to your health and fitness and especially in light of all of the marketing and advertising that we're exposed to on a very regular basis, on a more regular basis now than ever before. Personally speaking, I think the most valuable starting point that we can pick is that see wherever you're at at the minute, whatever state you're in while you're listening to this, I think one of the most valuable and important gifts that we can all give to ourselves is the gift of self-love. Each and every single person listening to this podcast right now is a very special and unique individual and a beautiful person. And I think the most valuable starting point when it comes to anything got to do with our health, physical or mental, is to just give ourselves the recognition that we're all beautiful one-off creations and we're all worthwhile, even if you're sitting there feeling the most unhealthy or the most down that you've felt in a long time, you're still a fucking beautiful person. You're still worthwhile and you're still lovable. And even if you didn't change anything about the way that your health is now, you're still worthwhile, you've still got this inherent and infinite value that can't be taken away by any stupid marketing or advertising campaign or any social media account that you keep looking at or however often you look at all the negative news, it doesn't take away from your value as a person or value as people. And uh, I think that's 
as good a starting point as any as I can think of. Once you give yourself that recognition and that self-love, it's a much better position to be able to work on your health from than on the back of feeling bad about yourself because of some advertising or marketing campaign or because you're being sold some kind of a product. From a personal perspective, I like getting to the place where I'm able to take stock of where I'm at if I'm feeling not myself because I haven't been as active as I'm used to or I haven't been getting out as much as I would like to be going out, like say going for walks or whatever and I start feeling like crap. I'm not saying to ignore that. It's good to be able to acknowledge that and in a way sort of accept where we currently are at and it's much easier to do that when you're coming when you're doing it coming from a place of sort of self-love and acceptance of the way that things are currently at this time and I think the next thing then is to really be able to forgive yourself for whatever's happened in the past that has led you to be in this position in the first place like negative self-talk can have a very profound impact on our mental health calling ourselves lazy or saying that we should have been doing this or we should have been doing that like in the long run that really doesn't serve much of a positive sort of purpose for us so once you sit there and you're sitting going right you know what it is I fucking love myself and I'm a worthwhile person right now I might not be feeling at my best but that's okay because I forgive myself for getting to the for whatever's happened that I've ended up in this position in the first place and now I'm going to take some positive steps moving forward from here there's so much out there that is designed to make us feel bad about ourselves and especially when it comes to making us feel bad about ourselves so that we can buy some shit that somebody's selling but not even just just that as well like that there's discrimination against people because of gender or because of race or because of socioeconomic status or what part of town they're from and a countless amount of things like so and I know that this can be easier said than done as well but uh giving ourselves a bit of self-love and a bit of recognition and a wee pat on the back and a wee self-hug is a really valuable place to start from as we move through this podcast we're going to cover quite a broad range of stuff and everything's not going to be relevant for every single person some people might find one point relevant and be able to go off and take action on that there and other people might find a different point relevant and take action on that there you might be sitting there and think that none of this is relevant for the current place that you're at with yourself and that's okay as well actually do you ever see the way that books when the right book comes into your life at the right time it can have like a life changing impact on you but if that very same book came into your life a few months earlier or a few months later you might not even read past the first page it might just seem pointless I suppose it's kind of like that as well but I suppose one thing that comes to mind is see if you really are struggling with the whole idea of self-love and giving yourself that bit of recognition and um, that you really can't see anything positive about yourself then that could be the time whenever you need a little bit of help from someone to get you through that wee period I haven't said that from a personal perspective 
a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about in the rest of this podcast really helps me are kind of really nice opportunities for me to be able to reconnect with that self-love. Like we're going to be talking about things got to do with exercise and nutrition and mindfulness and all that kind of crack. And like if I'm sitting in the house feeling poorly and not feeling great myself and I end up going for a walk, even on my own or with one of my friends or something like that there, you come back feeling sweet, come back feeling in a much more loving sort of a state of mind or whatever than just when you're sitting in a house on your own thinking about all the negative things. Which kind of brings me on to the next point that I wanted to discuss as part of this wee podcast. And if you have found yourself being not as physically active as you usually are, and I know that because of the coronavirus situation and the lockdowns and all that, a lot of our opportunities for physical activity have been reduced because of the fact that we're having to stay within five kilometers of our house or whatever. You might not be able to get to the gym or the sports club that you were going to before. And if that's having an impact on you, and if you do, and if you do feel like you're um, not as physically active as you were before, then it's important to maybe do something to, to get out there and get the blood moving and get a bit of fresh air into the lungs. And one thing that I've certainly felt from professional experience is that, and from personal experience as well, is that it can be easy to kind of uh, put up a lot of roadblocks and end up getting this sort of paralysis by analysis by not knowing what to do. Like, what activity should you do? What's the best kind? What's the one that's going to bring the fastest results? What's the safest one? And all those different questions. I would say from a physical activity point of view, the important thing to do is to pick the activity that is easiest to get going with. And a lot of the time that could be just get out and going for a walk. Just get out, walk for 10 or 20 minutes away from your front door and then turn around and come back again. Go for a cycle, do a little bit of a swim. The sea swimming has become the new trend ever since the pandemic has started by the looks of it. And... I've just moved into a house that's not too far from the beach and I've been getting into the sea for regular dips over the last number of weeks myself. But doing things that don't require any equipment or real instruction and that are relatively safe are really good ways of just getting started. Getting started with as little roadblocks as possible is a a very important step if you want to develop this... um, joy in being physically active if you're doing something that requires a lot of steps to actually get started like if you want to start doing physical activity and you decide that golf is going to be the thing but you've been completely inactive for ages but you have to get a set of golf clubs then you have to get a spin to the golf club and then you have to get time off to be able to go and do it all those roadblocks kind of make it less likely for you to be physically active in the first place so if you felt like you haven't been as physically active as you have been or as you want it to be and you want to get moving then the thing to do is to pick something that has as little roadblocks as possible and they didn't get started on straight away and walking is the simplest form of that there just get out go for a walk and cycling jogging as well although we'll talk about jogging in a little, bit, little, little while later as well and um, going for a dip in the sea if that's safe to do then all those things are very low barrier to entry activities that you can just do and you can just do them on a regular basis. It's actually mad how much of a positive impact 
doing simple things like going for walks or cycles or dips in the sea on the regular can have on your mental and physical health. You can feel class directly after doing something like that, but see if you get into the habit of doing them on the regular, they become even more powerful, which kind of brings me on to the next point that I was going to make about getting results from the effort that you're putting in. And in around this time of the year, there's a big emphasis on getting results with your health or your fitness in as fast a period as possible. But it's probably fair to say that what most of us want is to feel better in our own skin for the long term. And that just takes time. And because it takes time, a really important aspect of any approach to building up your health is to have faith in the process that you're going through and to be okay with the fact that it's going to take a little bit of a while to achieve whatever goal you set out for yourself. And of course, you feel good after going for a walk or going for a dip in the sea or whatever. But there's also going to be times when you don't feel like going out or you don't feel as motivated or something happens in your life where you kind of fall off the, you know, you fall off course for a little bit of a while. And if you're taking part in this like really intense program of like six weeks or 10 weeks or whatever the case may be, there's very little room to fall off. You can kind of get yourself up for doing a really intense bout of training or exercise or whatever. But if something happens along the way and you veer off course, it's very hard to get back on track. And even if you do get back on track, you've lost time. And if the end is coming at the six weeks or whatever the case may be, then you're sitting looking at yourself at the end of the six weeks going, did I achieve what I set out to achieve? And more importantly, was what you set out to achieve realistic or healthy to be aiming for in the first place? And when the goal or objective is being set by an external sort of group or company or whatever based on selling a certain product, they're over-promising and a lot of the time under-delivering. So a lot of the time the goal isn't even a realistic one in the first place. And like different things work for different people, 100%. Some people stick to one thing for ages and get good results out of it. But see by and large the approaches that promote something that's kind of extreme, like an extreme way of eating where you're really deficient in calories, like you're not taking in an awful lot of food, like there's a special K diet where you're just eating bowls of special, a couple of bowls of special K every day or whatever. You see those things, like they're an absolute load of bollocks because the reason why you're seeing some sort of supposed short-term result from those things is because of the fact that you've massively increased your the amount of physical activity that you're doing in a day or massively decreased the amount of calories that you're taking in in a day in the form of way less food. And you just so happen to be replacing it with something ridiculous like Special K. Of course, if you stop eating food or start doing 600% more exercise than you've been doing before, something's going to happen. And by and large, what's going to happen is you're going to start losing body weight really fast. But that not, that's not necessarily that healthy for the long run. It's Actually, it's not healthy for the long run at all if you're losing weight like that just by starving yourself or by doing something like that 
insanity training program thing that was going around there last year where people were training in at home following along with this exercise video that was getting progressively more intense and longer and um with each session that was one of those things where it was like a really intense bout of doing something for quite a short space of time and like over promising what was going to happen to your body and stuff like that there you're just going to end up getting injured and then you're going to be back further than you were when you started anyway i don't mean to be going down the negative path again but the point that i was trying to make is that to be kind to yourself and to go into things that are new gently and to give yourself afford yourself the time and the sort of self-compassion to be like right okay this is going to take a bit of time and you're going to do something that you're going to enjoy for the long term as opposed to something that you're forcing yourself to do for the short term that's going to end up in way more positive outcomes than doing things that are quite extreme from a nutrition or from a training point of view and on that it is really important to just accept the fact that if you're going along to um, work towards something worthwhile it's going to take a while and there's going to be times whenever the motivation is down or when you just go fuck it and you go off the rails for a while you just have to be willing to say to yourself fair enough let's get back on track now that's all good and not beat yourself up about going off track and I suppose that's another thing when it comes to the sort of uh, drill sergeant style of um, exercise where you're in sort of like a boot camp kind of environment where you've got somebody screaming at you and stuff like that there and you're getting your motivation from an external factor from an external source then uh, that sort of like set, berating yourself for falling off, falling, going off track for a while kind of ties in with that sort of like drill sergeant mentality where it's like get down and give me 20 and that kind of boot camp environment again that's more kind of short-term short-sighted as opposed to long-term sighted but it ties in really well with what we were talking about at the beginning starting off from a place of self-love and acceptance of the way things are and forgiving yourself for whatever it is you might be carrying along with you and then um getting started doing something that you enjoy and then when life gets in the way of being able to do it just forgiving yourself again accepting the situation again and then getting back on track and it's really easy to do do that whenever you've actually started off doing something that you quite enjoy doing whereas if you've started doing something that you really don't like doing but you're just doing it out of a sense of duty when life gets in the way it can be even harder to get back on track and actually there's a case to be made about why would you even bother getting back on track if you're doing something that you really hate doing. If you really hate the thing that you're doing, then it may be time to consider finding another form of activity that is actually quite enjoyable, that you could see yourself keeping going in like beyond this year into the next year and the years to come as well. And a big part of engaging with something that you're enjoying doing is that sense of connection that you get with yourself. You know the way when you're doing something and you really like doing it, you feel like, you're kind of getting in touch with your creative side or you're doing something that you feel like you're making progress with or that you're achieving something like a wee victory or a little bit of progress every time you do it. You're kind of building that sense of connection with yourself, which a lot of the time is the thing that's missing when we end up not being as active or not looking after our health as much is that we feel like we're getting disconnected from ourselves. 
So that sense of connection with yourself with whatever it is you choose to do is a really valuable sort of asset whenever you're embarking on this uh, kind of like getting going with your health and your fitness stuff again. And the same goes with building a sense of connection with other people. I think that's really one of the things that has made the going for a dip in the sea so popular during the pandemic is people tend to do it together. I was in for a wee dip on St. Stephen's Day with a couple of friends in the 40 foot, at the 40 foot in Dublin and I've been going for dips just nearby where I'm living here as well, generally with somebody else coming along. I've only done it once or twice on my own because it takes a bit of motivation to take your clothes off when it's one degrees outside and get into the water. But I really love the fact that when I do it with someone else, you're going in and you're on a bit of a mission together and you're egging each other on and going in to do it and then you feel great whenever you come out afterwards. It's like building that sense of connection with another person in a way. I suppose another way to say it is you're, is you're building a sense of community, which is something that I feel like, and this is something that I've definitely noticed over the last eight years of doing Ackley, is like that sense of community is something that's so critical and important for all of us to feel in one shape or form and things seem to roll much smoother and it seems to be much easier to be healthy and happier in ourselves when we feel like we're a part of a group or we've got a friend or two that we're doing something with and um, so that's something to consider as well whenever you're, you're choosing what form of activity that you would like to do and obviously you don't have to be with someone all the time. I love going for walks on my own just to go and get my head cleared. But then on other days, I feel very grateful that I'm able to go in for a dip with one or two of my friends or um, be training in the gym with one of my brothers or something, something like that, you know. Building that sense of connection has been something that we've consistently worked on in Ackley. Actually, the, the we kind of have these like several different points of connection that we really focus on building as part of the coaching that we offer. So it's the first of all is that the person who's doing the training, the member, is getting more connected with themselves by building their skill set and getting a sense of achievement from every session. And then the member is also getting a sense of connection with the coach and vice versa because it's kind of like they're working together to get through the sessions and the coaches bringing the members the coaches are bringing the members through uh the exercise and making sure that they're doing stuff right and it's kind of like a wee joint sense of achievement really whenever you see that in motion and then with the way that we've been training even through the pandemic really I know that we're completely closed now but the way that we usually operate is that we have four members training at the same time each of the four members are doing their own training program with their own that's on the kind of the iPad that they have for the session and the coaches bring in the four people through the session but even which is a very important thing for us to be able to work with people who are on training programs that are built specifically f- for their needs. But then it's also class that you see in the same room that there's three or four people working at the same time and having a bit of banter in between in between sets. And then that's one of the jobs of the coaches really is to kind of facilitate that. So not only are you getting a connection being built between the coach and the member, but the members are kind of interacting with each other as well. And, um, connecting with each other which all ties in to the sort of background ethos of actually of fostering this sense of community with the work that we're doing
And with the times that we're living in, that sense of connection is more important now than ever before. And I'm also kind of acutely aware of the fact that even though we need it more now than at any other stage, generally speaking, this is a time where a lot of us are at risk of being isolated and are cut off from the a lot of the social outlets that we might have had before. And even to give that a bit of acknowledgement and to shine a bit of a light on that, I think is very important as well. More so even for us not to be hard on ourselves if we find like that we're feeling a little bit down or can't put our finger on why we're not quite right. Like a lot of the social outlets that, that, social outlets that we're used to are being kind of restricted at the minute because of the virus. So I think it's important that we give ourselves a break from that point of view as well and like not be beating ourselves up for not feeling in top form at times. I suppose that kind of goes in general as well. It's bad enough feeling not ourselves or not in top form, but then beating ourselves up for not feeling in top form. I suppose that has the potential to exasperate the situation even more. And as as I was saying before, if you do find yourself in a, a position of despair or that you feel like you're completely isolated or don't know what to do, please, please, please do just find some way of reaching out to someone or some organisation so that you can get someone to speak to. Something else that I thought might be interesting to talk about in this wee chat is picking a form of exercise or physical activity outside of the more low intensity kind of outdoor activities like walking and cycling and going for a dip in the sea. It's also really beneficial and very enjoyable to include some form of strength and movement training. And this is definitely one of the areas that is over-commercialized and commodified and sold to us poor bastards who are on the other side of the social media accounts looking at the ads of all the ripped people and all the promises of getting six packs and this and that. So I wanted to shed a wee bit of light on that there from my own personal and professional experience. So there are these things called the principles of training that Anyone who has studied any bit of PE or sports science or strength and conditioning, it's kind of what people end up talking about in the first lecture or the first class. Like we were learning about the principles of training when we were doing the sports studies A-level in St. Mary's up on the Glen Road in Belfast. They're really easy to remember and very practical as well. So I just thought it might give us a wee rundown of them because they might help you to pick the right kind of activity. And it'll definitely put in context the type the type of activities that aren't suitable. For example, those type of like really high intensity and massively like fast progress and short kind of duration training programs that are more made as products to be bought rather than training programs that are going to give you some real long-term value. So the first principle of training is specificity, that you have a training method and a training program that's specific to your own needs. So for us in Ackley, the specificity comes down to a program that matches the member's current level of ability in terms of 
how they're moving and that it also matches their overall kind of goals for training. Generally speaking, everyone who comes and trains in Ackley with us, we have an inbuilt training goal for them that everyone learns new skills and becomes uh, more proficient in a wider range of movements and also more resilient to injury so that you're kind of building your body in a way that it's most likely going to last for the longest amount of time possible, like years and decades. And really that should be, do you know the way like cars come with as standard a radio and stuff like that there? Training programs should come with as standard building in, helping us learn new skills, but also helping to build the structures of our bodies to be as functionally useful and as healthy for as long as possible. The next principle of training that's really worthwhile having a bit of an insight into is the principle of progression, that your training program progresses at the right level. So the problem with, say, that intensity training program or the problem with the way that a lot of people train, especially, say, when it comes to running, like running has a very high incidence of soft tissue injury. And one of the main reasons for that, I would say, is that the rate of progress is too fast. If you progress too intensely, then you're just going to get a breakdown. So to go back to say the way that we train people at Ackley is that we monitor the progress from session to session to make sure that it's at the right amount. And sometimes you don't always have to progress forward, you know. Sometimes we would just like stay where we are, do a little bit less um, than we did the day before because it's not always about training more intensely or training with a heavier weight or being able to do a longer distance or uh, doing a certain distance in a shorter period of time every single session. The way that your training progress goes, it undulates, it goes up. You'll train hard for a while, make good progress, but then you have to give yourself a bit of time to recover before you train hard again. So the the injury kind of comes whenever um, you don't get that recovery time, which is kind of relates to the next principle of training of overload in that if you want to progress, you need to keep giving your body a bit of a stimulus so that you can get stronger. So that's if the training is progressing and you're overloading the body with the right amount, then you'll keep on progressing. Whereas if you were doing the same training program over and over and over, which I guess is kind of a big challenge now that we're more than ever training at home and you can get a training program, like somebody gives you a training program or you make one yourself or you get one off the internet or whatever and you do it and you get a bit of results from it. But then if you're not getting the, the next block of training on top of that to keep your body, keep the stimulus uh, kind of going for your body, then eventually just the progress will just plateau. And the next principle of training is recovery, which I've kind of mentioned already. Like training progress is not linear. If you try and get a training progress, progress that's linear where you're just getting going up all the time, eventually what will happen is you'll get to the level and your body will start to break down. You'll either... If you're lucky, you'll get demotivated and stop doing it before you push yourself to the edge where you push yourself to breaking point and then you're injured and then you have to go and try and fix that. Which is something else that I thought would be useful to mention in this podcast. 
you see for any of us who are training for health reasons and general fitness and for recreation by and large we should not be getting injured if you're training in the gym you shouldn't be getting injured if you're doing a yoga class or you're going for jogs all of those things by and large we should not be getting injured unless some absolute freak of a thing happens during one of your sessions and how to prevent that kind of injury is to have the right training program one that fits your current level of ability and your goals and uh, your training history and your skill level and one that progresses at a level that allows your body to catch up on itself in between the sessions and one where you have a bit of recovery time in between training sessions and also in between bouts of training sessions you know after a few weeks that you get a week where you're not training as intensely if the initial few weeks have been intense you know what I mean but if you're training for general health just keep in mind the activity that you pick shouldn't be making you get injured by and large it's kind of like if you're a formula one driver then the likelihood of having a car crash at some stage while you're doing formula one driving is quite high but when we're driving our domestic cars around you don't think oh i'm going to have loads of car crashes so the same thing applies to our recreational and um sort of general health physical activities even though getting injured has become very common and kind of in a lot of ways kind of normalized because we're used to training with training programs that don't fit or pushing ourselves to the to the breaking point because we think that that's what we need to do no you shouldn't be getting injured when you're doing some form of recreational physical activity if you're a tour de france cyclist or a professional cyclist you're going to have loads of accidents in your career but going out for a few cycles in the week then you shouldn't be falling off on the on a regular basis and the same thing applies say if you're going to the gym like you shouldn't be getting injured like so many people have come in to actually over the years having trained elsewhere with sore backs or injured shoulders or have been running and they've been struggling with knee pain and stuff like that there and obviously then when people come in and when you're injured then it's different you obviously have to try and rebuild yourself and get over that injury but I suppose the prevention is much easier than the cure and the best way to prevent an injury is to go in with the right kind of mindset get the right form of activity that suits you and progress it at um, a level where your body can catch up on itself but you're still making progress on a similar note there are so many of us out there that have persistent or chronic pain or these like long-term injuries about 10 or 9 years ago I had a long-term injury in my hip that impacted just about every aspect of my life in a negative way and it took a long time to get over it and a big effort to get over it but at the same time like looking back now I think it taught me a lot and definitely um, pushed me in the direction of some of the work that I'm doing now so looking back I'm kind of grateful that I was able to come through that time and I'm grateful for the lessons that it taught me as well but when you're dealing with chronic pain or persistent pain or a chronic injury a long-term injury it really can impact your options for physical activity and it can really can impact the sort of your confidence going into doing things that involve physical activity because of 
the fear of making it worse or um, the tension that's been built up over time from trying to protect yourself from getting a flare up. For example, if you deal if you're dealing with long term back pain and you're used to having flare ups every so often, then you kind of build these protective mechanisms and you're trying to do everything you can to avoid having a flare up and doing a form of physical activity that isn't suited to your current state can often cause a flare-up with a long-term injury or with chronic pain. So it's natural to be cautious and sort of apprehensive to start doing new things. But at the same time, it is possible to still be physically active with um, even when you're dealing with persistent pain. It's mostly a case of getting the right type of activity, pitching your program at the right level, and then just working through with your body, kind of using your body as a teacher. And I know I'm relating a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today back to the the training that we do at Ackley, but I'm mostly doing that because that's using it as, as a practical example. It's based on my own professional experience, but it's not to say that that's the only way to be training. There are great benefits to doing other forms of training. Like, for example, yoga has lots of different benefits and can really fit into that model of uh, giving a training stimulus that fits with your current level of ability and that'll help you get stronger and that isn't kind of an ego-based form of training where you're just pushing forward all the time. No, it's adaptable to the type of mood you're in and there's different styles and uh, you can pull back at times whenever you feel like that's what you need and you can push forward at times when you feel like that's what you need as well. And there's also obviously a lot of uh, really positive yoga teachers out there as well and being a part of a group that's training can give you that sense of connection and community. So just to bear that in mind that I don't mean to always be relating back to the training that we're doing and actually making it like that's the only way to do it. We recently got a bouldering wall into Ackley just at the end of the first lockdown. I think it was we installed it around June. And I've just been practicing away on that there. But one thing that it really highlighted for me since I've started doing that is the importance and the value of being okay at being completely crap at something so that you don't get disheartened at the start. When we got the bouldering wall in first, I wasn't even able to climb up it. And I've just been doing it and building up slowly and some days I've been feeling better at it some days I've been feeling like we're not going backwards but kind of just made the decision somewhere along the line just to be okay with not being really good at it and sticking with it and over the last few months I've really seen good progress with it and I suppose the same thing goes for if you're doing yoga or if you're undertaking strength training or you're taking up a new sport or something like that there that early stage when you're learning all of the new skills and you're learning the basics, so it kind of goes for any skill really, like you could be playing music and learning how to play the fiddle or something and sounded like a, sounding like a dying cat at the start, but just kind of riding out that initial phase. That initial phase is a really rich in learning phase. Like you're learning at such a fast and impressive rate whenever you're in those early stages. If you can just ride out the the feeling of being absolutely chronic at doing it. Kind of like 
short term pain for long term gain in a way like you're uh, and it does relate back to the thing we were saying at the start about just self-compassion and self-love and just giving yourself a break giving yourself a wee pat on the back every now and again and um, being easy on yourself whenever the going is getting rough and then getting back at it whenever you feel like it for me like that's kind of like a magical thing about learning new skills you just get on the road and enjoy the journey as well something else that a lot of people will be paying more attention to now at this time of year is the nutrition side of things and it certainly has been a theme of the last eight years of actually when members are coming in, new members, and want uh, to get started with their health and fitness and want to include some form of positive change from a nutritional point of view. Actually, at the start, the initial years of actually, it was much more common than it is now, but uh, it's very common for people to be asking for meal plans or diet plans or whatever. And again, like, there are approaches to nutrition out there that are kind of diet-based or plan-based that a lot of people get a lot of benefit from, either in the short term, sometimes from front in the, in the long run as well. But I suppose our approach to food and actually has been uh, quite kind of, um, I suppose, general in a way, but also we don't sell any supplements or adhere to any kind of strict form of like this is what you have to eat in this amount and at this time the things that I feel well I suppose from a personal point of view I've benefited from them uh, quite a lot and in in talking to members and stuff like that there I can see that the members have benefited from it quite a lot as well is um, just doing really simple things that uh, aren't so much based on like any kind of a diet but for me like I know that my nutrition is going quite well and I'm feeling really healthy and good in myself whenever I make myself a breakfast which is generally porridge with an egg uh, porridge with a banana smashed up in it and some peanut butter and a bit of jam and or jam or honey and some seeds and maybe a bit of coconut in it and just mix it up and eat it and when I cook for myself once a day and uh, drink two liters of water a day and just in general try and not eat a lot of sugary or highly highly processed foods um, but I think that another aspect of nutrition which is often overlooked in terms of the health uh, aspect of the food that we eat is the importance of eating together and also when you're eating to to do it kind of like consciously or mindfully I always enjoy my food much more when I haven't got a TV on or a screen or I'm not near my phone or whatever and just sit there and enjoy it like enjoy cooking it and then enjoy eating it as well and I suppose that thing of mindfulness is something else that I thought would be cool to talk about as well a couple of years ago uh, I suppose it was the start of 2018, I enrolled in this mindfulness-based cognitive therapy course in Oxford University, and it entailed me going over there for the weekend, every fifth or sixth weekend for a while, to do the course days. And um, it was 
really cool doing it actually uh, i wanted to do it because i wanted to learn more about mindfulness and meditation but i also wanted to start to develop a mindfulness practice myself one of the most valuable lessons that i learned from that time was i was uh we're doing homework you know they would give you like kind of homework to do in terms of a practice what you were practicing in between the the course days and I remember sitting there doing this guided meditation one day and at, at home in Cork in between the sessions and the more I was listening to the guided meditation, the more annoyed and pissed off I was getting. Like, I don't know what was going on with me that day, but I obviously was getting raging by listening to this meditation and by the end of it, I was just ready to have a flipping heart attack. I was so stressed out. Um... I suppose that was kind of a valuable lesson. And <laughs> I remember saying it to Conrad, who was the facilitator of the course at that time, and, and with the rest of the class were there as well. And he was just like, might have been not the best time to practice your meditation right then. Might have been better to do it at a different time or whatever. But um, I think really what I took from that was, was trying to force myself in to do it because I felt like I had to do it and I felt a sense of duty to do it. And ever since then, you're like, I've kind of been developing my, my meditation practice and the best kind of analogy that I have in my head these days for meditation is like whenever you're walking and your legs get tired, you can just sit down and give them a rest. And meditation is kind of like that, except for your mind, it's just an opportunity to, to take a wee chill pill and just give your brain a rest. I remember actually back in the time whenever I was dealing with that long-term hip injury back in around 2010 and 11 12 i came across john Kabat-Zinn on youtube and i was listening to his guided meditations and i've started listening to them again recently would highly recommend it there's guided meditations by john Kabat-Zinn of varying lengths on youtube that you can just sit down and listen to and they're very soothing and more recently, I generally try and get a wee bit of meditation done in the morning. But more recently, I've kind of come to think of the morning meditation and even the stuff that I'm doing first thing in the morning as kind of setting the scene for the day. I've been reading this book over the last, only started a few days ago there. It's called uh, Letting Go. And there was a chapter in it there last night when I was reading it about vibration and saying that we all have this vibration and that we can be vibrating on a higher level, which is more positive energy, or we can be vibrating on a lower level, which can be more the negative energies. And I've come to view my, the first thing in the morning just as setting the tone of the vibrations for the day and just having a cup of coffee and have a bit, having a bit of time to myself and a bit of time to stretch and a bit of time to maybe read or do some meditation before getting stuck into the day. And... I know that all of our routines and the time that we have available in the mornings can vary and it's not often possible to get that time to yourself in the morning depending on your work situation or your family life or whatever. But um, I found really found a great value in having a few minutes aside in the day just to check in with myself and give the mind a break and help to set the tone of the vibrations for the day 
and then other times I'm doing meditation and I can't get my mind to stop whatever's going on with it. It's like flipping, going 100 miles an hour. And there was a time, like back in that time when I was talking about the uh, doing the homework for the Oxford course, I suppose back then I was berating myself and getting more annoyed with myself for not for my mind not being able to calm down. But now I've just developed the practice to the stage where if my mind is going like that, I just like to bring a bit of an awareness to the fact that, oh, my mind is doing 90 today. And just being mindful of it seems to actually help it ease off in of itself. I've also come to look at mindfulness and meditation kind of as two separate things, even though they are connected. My understanding of meditation at the minute is sitting down with the intention of either doing a guided meditation or just sitting there and letting the mind chill the bean for a while. Whereas the mindfulness, I practice music every day, do play a few tunes on the flute, and that seems to be something that really brings me into the present moment and that I can do real mindfully. And then the same thing applies to, I don't know, you know, like, reading a book where you're just sitting there and everything is just chill and you're lost in the book or you're cooking food with uh, like good intentions and you're doing things mindfully or paying attention to the way that you're chopping the vegetables and just having a, a good time doing it. Same thing applies to training in the gym, just doing it away from the phone or getting stuck into it and being like, okay, I'm here for the next half an hour or hour. I'm going to like give myself over to this activity and they're all kind of like mindful. They have the potential to be mindfulness-based activities, which I think is separate from meditation, which for me is sitting down with the intention of just sitting there and doing nothing for a while and just letting the systems chill the bean, even if the mind is doing 90, just to try and let that happen and see what happens whenever you sit there for long enough for the mind to be belting away all the thoughts and then seeing if we can come out the other side if you're just letting those thoughts pass and actually just to go back on the topic of food and nutrition what I would recommend instead of trying to get a meal plan or a diet plan is buying yourself a cookbook that you kind of enjoy flicking through and reading and you, you, like, you like the look of the recipes I've got two of the Ballymaloo cookery school cookbooks and one called Thug Kitchen with the subtitle of Eat Like You Give a Fuck and I've got a Gubin cookbook as well and I've just got into the habit of getting a few minutes to flick through them and picking something out that looks nice and trying to cook it and also I would highly recommend checking out neighbourfood.ie to find your local neighbor food market where you can buy a load of local produce and just go and pick it up on the collection day way better crack learning how to cook a couple of meals and going to pick up your food at a market or even just buying the ingredients in the shop and bringing them back to the house and trying to make something nice out of them than trying to force yourself to drink some stinking smoothies that you've been prescribed by some ridiculous diet anyway lads an hour and seven minutes that's probably enough for any one day of a podcast thanks very much for listening if you're still here and um i really hope you get something positive from this if there's anything that we're talking about here that uh you want to ask about then just get in touch through the social media 
Instagram is the the most common one. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks with the next episode, which will be episode 88 of the Rebel Matters podcast. We'll have a guest for you then. So until then, thanks very much for listening. And um, thank you also very much to all of the people who have been sharing the podcast, getting in touch, and especially all of our lovely patrons. These are all a bunch of legends. And actually on the topic of conversation that we'll have here, if anybody is interested in finding out a little bit more about what we do at Ackley or finding out more about our online coaching program, which has become very popular, especially in light of all of the lockdowns, then you can go to ackley.com. IE. You could actually go there and book yourself in for a free consultation for our online coaching if you want to, where you can ask as many questions as you want and speak to one of our coaches about how we could develop a training program that incorporates all of the stuff that we were just talking about in the last hour or so. You can also hit us up on social media at Ackley underscore Cork on Instagram and If you don't already follow the Ackley Palestine page, you can do that by clicking on at Ackley underscore Palestine. And at the minute, we're releasing some of the photographs from our recent trip over there. So it's a really good way of keeping up with that project if you want to. Go to Ackley underscore Palestine. Right, I'm away out of here, Karja. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you on the next episode. Slang of this episode of the Rebel Matters podcast was presented by me, Anne Carlan, and produced by Vicky Langan. The Rebel Matters podcast is supported and funded by the listeners of the show through Patreon. So if you'd like to support the Rebel Matters podcast and get behind what we're doing, you can go to patreon.com forward slash rebel matters, where you will find the three various tiers of support that you can pick from, all of which are named after our favourite Native Irish trees. That's all from us this week. Akarjigil, Sokajin Kedarella, Slang of Oil, Augustini Fury.